0: Hey, welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Catherine Lucadu coming on the show. It is an exciting show. It's going to be fun-filled and full of facts and information. Uh, I'm totally, totally excited for this. Catherine, welcome to the show. I've been looking forward to this all week.
1: Thank you so much, John, for inviting me. I think it's going to be a fun show as well. And I think for anyone who's watching... Uh, I do believe they're going to get quite a few little nuggets out of this uh, time that we have together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I like to start off with every show with you getting into your story of uh, basically where you come from, like, you know, growing up, obviously, I don't think everybody woke up and said, I want to be a realtor when they're six years old and you usually have something else, right? Like, so sort of a story of how you got to where you are, like where it started from and some of your uh, reasons To choose what you did,
1: right? So I have a colorful history in um, in deciding before I even got into real estate. So when I graduated university, I went to University of Toronto, and uh, I decided after university that I wanted to leave. I wanted to go anywhere far away just for an experience and a change. And uh, I applied to. I mean. organizations all over the world UN UNESCO all these places and I actually got a response back and I got a phone call uh, early early one morning 4 a.m and it was coming from Europe and a lady said you know would you like to come and teach at our school here in Cyprus and my father is Cypriot but my mother's Irish so I never learned Greek and um I just said, you know what? I think, yes, I will. And she said, you know, do you know how to teach? And I was like, sure. I was 22. I did not know how to teach. But I thought, you know what? I can fake it till I make it. So I left two weeks later and I moved to Cyprus. I had a trunk. You know, remember those like um, traveling trunks? So I had one of those trunks and uh, I loaded, I just, I put a chair, I put a pillow. I put the only clothes I had in my closet. I had $700 Canadian, which actually was not a lot in Europe because it was in pounds. So it ended up being about 225 pounds. That was it. That was the riches that I left Canada with. And uh, I arrived there. So I walk into this school. It's a primary school that morning. And, uh, you know, she said, well, why don't you come in my office? And I said, you know, I never we, we never really talked about how much I would get paid. And she said oh it's gonna be something like 70 pounds a month and i was like but i can't even pay rent with that i mean you know so naive at 22 that i should have asked these questions so what happened was i ended up working there so The hours in on a Mediterranean island because of the heat are much different. So you work from 7 a.m. till 1 p.m. is actually the time frame for a primary school. So I quickly figured that I had to find a second job. So I got a second job at a private. There's a lot of um, private English schools because most people want to pay for a higher education for their children. So I got a job teaching English as a second language at this private institute so i would work i'd have to get to work at 6:30 in the morning and uh, then i would leave there at 1 at 1:30 i had to be at the other school until 8:30 and that's what i did i did that for about three years but then i started moving up the ranks of school so as i figured out how to teach students and um you know what it entailed and commanding a classroom and getting them to be disciplined and listening to me and so on i learned a lot and i also had to learn the language very fast so my evenings were spent with a dictionary Uh, watching Greek soap operas, trying to figure out the the language and what are these students saying behind my back? So I I learned and I watched and I modeled off of teachers who I could hear, you know, they would have a good command of their classroom. I would hear the students laughing, but I would also see them working. I thought, I want to be that kind of teacher. So that's what I did. And uh, I was in Europe for a just over 16 years. So uh, I got through the primary um, educational system and I decided to apply to high school. I thought, you know, my talents would be better suited to high school students. I could teach them literature and so on. So I did that. And then after doing that for many years, I decided that I wanted a new challenge. So I started doing a master's in education with Manchester University. And um, after three years, I did get that, and then I managed to get a job as a professor at the university. So once I got to professor, I was teaching communication, business, and so on. But then that's where everything changed. I uh, I was thirty three. I had a six no, and a half year old, no, a seven year old, and a two year old. And as I was going to bed one night, um, I had a massive heart attack, and I was awake for the whole thing. I couldn't feel like I, you know, my arm went numb and I just knew I had read things that it's a heart attack when that starts to happen. So my husband rushed me, uh, there was no ambulance coming. We were in the countryside. So he got me in the car and he started driving as fast as he could to the private hospital that was closest to us. So here is where I call the miracles started happening. So I'm awake for this whole ride and I'm looking at him and I said, you know, I'm going, I could feel myself dying. It's, it's a very strange feeling. Um, and he's like, no, no, don't go anywhere. Just Just hang on. And we pulled up into the driveway of this private hospital. The only doctor on duty that night was the head cardiologist. And he was standing in the driveway getting some air. I mean, the chances, you know, it's it's very odd. So he he immediately, he knew I was having a massive heart attack. He started uh, treating me immediately, you know, doing an ultrasound. He could see I was having a heart attack. They started giving me all kinds of things. And I was put into the ICU and that was a Tuesday night. From Tuesday until Saturday, I had one heart attack after another. They would just keep coming. They would try and... Uh, stabilize me. And then another one, and then they would stabilize me. And then another one would happen. And I never lost consciousness. I was awake for every one of these. So I've had every symptom of a heart attack out there. We got to Saturday, the surgeon comes into me and, you know, it's, it's, it's an odd feeling when you're the only woman in the cardiac unit, you're 33 years old, And they don't know what to do with you because typically, you know, a heart attack and and things of this nature are typically older people, uh, a lot of men. So I was surrounded by men in this ICU unit and this surgeon came to me, his eyes were watery. He said, Catherine, we don't know what to do with you. He said, you're not going to make it past the weekend. We cannot stabilize you. He said, you know, by the grace of God, something's got to happen because I, I, he said, we can't even go in to see what's wrong because you're unstable. And I remember he walked out and I was on the third floor of this uh, medical center. And I remember looking out the window and, you know, it's a very dry, arid country. And I looked outside and I said, you know, God, like I'm 33 years old. I haven't done anything with my life of, of all the things that I wanted to do. I want to watch my children go up. Like it can't end here. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, it's, it's not going to end here. And rather than me feeling sorry, I was almost to the point where I was angry thinking, no, this is not happening. So interestingly enough, that whole day, I didn't have a heart attack. And that night was also clear. So Sunday morning, he came back in and he said, okay, Catherine, you've been you've been clear for 24 hours, we're going to go and we're going to do an angiogram, we're going to see what's going on. So they put me in, We get an angiogram done, I've got four arteries blocked. So he says, we now have to do triple bypass surgery on you. I was 33 with no health issues at all. And all this is happening to me. So it's it's now Monday morning about 3 a.m. And the surgeon comes into the room, he says, we have a problem. He says, we have no space to put you in today. He said, but we have to put you in. And so we're in an IC unit now. And I, I remember this exactly how it was. You know, the room was like this bluish from all the lights, three beds down from me was this older man who was maybe in his seventies and he was gone dialysis. And, you know, he, he put his hand up and in Greek, he said, doctor, come here. So the doctor walked over and he said, you put her in my spot this morning and I'll wait. And if I don't make it, I'm okay. So for me, this was like the second miracle happening for me. So they put me in. I was in for about 10 to 12 hours. It was a long operation. They did triple bypass. They were hoping that the fourth artery would open on its own. I came out and, you know, I mean, I looked like an alien. There were tubes and everything coming out of me. So it was a two week recovery in the hospital. They discharged me. And when I was home for only a week, I had a stroke. So then I went back into the hospital, they gave me more medication, they sent me home, and there's no rehab in Europe. So they literally just send you home. So I was sent home fearful. You know, why did this happen? What do I do now? Uh, You know, all they said was, don't pick up your children anymore, because you'll, you'll wreck, you know, my my rib cage is now being held together by wire until this day, it still is. um, Because that's how they do the surgery. And they just said, you know, you're just going to have to figure this out, but you will be on these 15 different medications. So those medications made me very sick. We ended up staying in Cyprus for another two years. And then just the medical bills, everything was just so high. I think the the way of living it, you know, I had to go back and I was working two, three jobs again. And I had always had two to three jobs in order to be able to afford to live there. So we decided that it might be a good idea if we Try Canada. Now, for me, it was coming back home. For my husband and kids, it was a new experience. So that's what we did. 13 years ago only, I moved back to Canada and had to start all over again. And I taught for a year at the university. And then I said, no, like, let's just change this up. This is my second chance at life. We're going to change this up now. So I was one of those very typical people who was watching HGTV and I was like, oh, I could do that job. So that's what I did. I signed up for the real estate course after watching HGTV. Now, I had spent my childhood going to open houses with my mother because she loved going to open houses. So I had always had, you know, the sense of what it was. My mother even worked in Bosley's real estate office. So I, I knew there was a lot you know, to real estate. Um, but that's what I did. You know, I joined uh, a large brand and I started from the ground up. I moved to a city that I knew no one and I had no sphere because I had been in Europe for 15 years. So I, you know, grassroots, I started from the bottom and now I'm here as the song goes. But, you know, I think this is how I'm able to relate to the agents that I coach, um, over the years because I did have to start at the bottom with no sphere and with no mentor, nothing. Just, I did the door knocking, I did the cold calling and then I just did every open house out there. And that's where I realized I'm very good in front of people. So, you know, if I'm going to fast forward this story, I was a real estate agent for three years. Then I got my broker's license my first year in real estate, I was the rookie of the year. And about 13 years ago, I did 100,000 my first year in real estate, not knowing anyone and not be ever having done sales before. So it's possible. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a struggle for new agents, but you really have to have no plan B. You're going all in, and this is what you're going to do. And, you know, there's no excuses. And I had no excuses because I had to help pay bills in a new country where we were starting from scratch. So, you know, fast forward, I then got my broker's license and then I started adding social media marketing and video and that catapulted my business like doubling in in a year. And then that would continue to double as the years went on. And then when people saw, you know, how well I was doing, then I started asking, I was being asked to speak in the US, in Canada, at different brokerages. So every three months I was going and I was traveling and I was speaking to brokerages internationally. From there, I decided that I was going to open my own brokerage. So I did that. And I had my own independent brokerage for five years, as well as a coaching company, teaching agents and speaking internationally. And so that brings me to where we are now. I, uh, I think maybe we'll just leave stuff for some of your questions because I'm just going to keep talking.
0: <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, that's an interesting story. I mean, like, I was, um, for lack of better description, I was knocked off my chair when you told me that uh, you had a heart attack at 32, right? Like, that was one part of the story I did not expect.
1: Most people don't.
0: Most and people um, don't. yeah, that must have been terrifying.
1: It it was. I mean, you know, especially when there's nothing wrong with you. You know, like I had been teaching that day. I had been giving private lessons that night, put my kids to bed, had a shower, like there was nothing wrong with me. And, you know, this is the message that ever since that, you know, that whole incident happened, this is the message. If ever I were to say I have a message in life, it is to try and explain to people that life is much shorter than you will ever realize and so many people put things off. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or, yeah, 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 I know I know I have to make a change, but but I'll do it. You don't understand. Anything could happen between today and tomorrow. Why are you putting it off? Or or you know the the fear. You know, they they want to change their real estate brokerage, but they're too scared. They want to start a team, but they're too scared. They want to try luxury, but they're too scared. There is no time for scared. Just do it because what people people will never regret what they did at the end of their life. They will regret what they didn't do and what they were too scared to do. So this is what I try and teach people is, you know, go after what you want. Forget about the fear. The fear is just a story you're telling yourself in your head.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Now here's you brought up a good point. The whole changing brokerages and stuff, right? Like I always I understand that there's uh, sometimes there's reasons to, and uh, I'm not innocent of this. I've changed brokerages. I mean, I think I've been to four different brokerages. Um, So there's always a concept of it. So I, I get the point of it. But what are your thoughts on that? Because I think, I'll tell you my experience and perspective from it. Some, and this is not always the case, and that wasn't really the case for me for most of it at least, is that sometimes I think what ends up happening is people find themselves in a corner, they feel stuck. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they just make a change, a refresh, Mm -hmm. and think that's going to solve the problem. I think that's why some people leave the brokerage or the shiny object syndrome. You know, it looks so great, so you're going (laughs) to jump shit because it looks great, but it's not always like, I think it always comes down to the issue comes down to the work more than to where you're at.
1: You know, I think it's a little of both. I think that you can be in the wrong environment. I know when I worked at the, the, the big, you know, brand and so on, it was, it was a good environment um, as long as I remained in the status quo, as long as I was just selling a few houses and everything was good, it was good. But I have this penchant wanting to grow and I always want to do better because I know there's better. I want to become the very best version of myself. That's my goal. And if someone continually tells me, no, you don't need to do that. Oh, you don't need to change. You don't need to. That doesn't work for me because I want someone who's going to cultivate that and help me grow. So that's why I opened my own brokerage because I couldn't find at the time, Um, five years ago, I could not find a company that would help me grow in the way that I wanted to and gave me the freedom to do it how I wanted to, you know, do, I, I wanted to do, you know, I was actually told six years ago at this other brokerage, I was doing video and they came to me and said, your videos are ridiculous. Video will be dead by the end of this year. Well, hello, Let's look at what's going on the internet right now. 75% of the content on the internet is video based. So, you know, it was, it was the mindset, right? If they were just in a different mindset of different era and through no fault of their own, but it just wasn't the environment that I needed to be able to grow in. So I'm a huge proponent of being in an environment that allows you to grow and And, and go to the next level. And then once you've reached that level, who's there to help me get to the next level? And just keep leveling up. And I think that if you're not at that place, that's when it's time to move. And I, I think when people feel stuck, it's because they don't have that person, the mentor, the guide to help them change their journey slightly and now move to the direction where you want to be. Because where you are and where you want to be, you've got to have some help to get there.
0: For sure. Now, which brings up the whole point, right? Like, I like how you said that about culture, because I think culture is very important. I mean, and if you don't have that culture, it doesn't matter what you do, you will never feel like you belong there. You always feel like that outsider. So culture is like, really, it starts off with mindset. And then you with that mindset, you have to be in the right culture to nurture it and build on it.
1: 100%.
0: So with that being said, you had your own brokerage Mm -hmm. and let's take the elephant in the room and bring it to light. You obviously gave up your brokerage for where you are now.
1: Yeah. So I didn't see it as giving up what I saw. Sorry, let me
0: clarify. I didn't mean giving up. I meant you made a transition. I'll just
1: explain what it, what was going through my mind and why I made the move because my brokerage was actually doing really well. And that's, that's an odd thing, right? You wonder why would someone take something that's doing so well? You know, I had 12 agents, they were, their production was out of the world. They came to me, that generally speaking, the majority of the agents when they joined me were doing somewhere between 30 and 50,000 um, in GCI every year. And they just weren't happy with that. They, they didn't have the tools or the knowledge to move beyond that level. Well, when I moved into EXP last September, when I went through the roster of where everyone was at, the lowest was around 150,000. The others were at over... 325,000. So in a span of the amount of time they were with me, you know, they doubled and tripled what they were making because they just needed a guide to give them the systems and processes and give them ideas on social media marketing because we have to go with the times, you know? But what I realized within this time and during the pandemic, you know, when I had more time to, to think about what I really wanted I wanted to be able to help agents. I wanted to be able to coach them and so on. When you have a brokerage, there is so much liability and responsibility. And because I was an independent broker, I was the broker of record. I was the manager. So I did the training. I did the books. I did the bank accounts. I did all of that. And could I have grown larger? I could have, but that wasn't going to remove All of the because I I believe in having um, a zero tolerance for unethical behavior. I have a zero tolerance for drama. I have a zero tolerance for people stabbing each other in the back. I have zero tolerance for not doing your job as a professional, which puts a lot of pressure on me as the broker of record because I want to make sure that nobody has a RICO complaint. That was my, you know, that was my goal. And no one ever had a RICO complaint in the five years that I've been, I was, I was open, but I can't grow further as a person when I'm stuck behind a desk dealing with the, the responsibilities and and liabilities of owning a brokerage. So then I found eXp, which offered me everything that I was looking for. Like it literally checked every box and then some. So The amount of money that was going to be saved, but the amount of freedom I was going to gain to now do an even better job was massive. So what's fascinating is in the five years that I had a brokerage, I was able to attract, you know, about 12 agents in five years, but at EXP, because of what an amazing company it is, I've attracted 12 agents in five months. So, much, much different, you know, like different culture. Uh, It's a culture of collaboration, which I found extraordinary in real estate because real estate is, is a very competitive environment, but they breed collaboration. And I loved that because in education, I was all about collaboration in my classrooms. So, you know, a lot of people will say things, but when I went to their conference, Last November. And I actually experienced it. People who did not know me at all. And I would just start talking to them and they would say, You know, do you want my card? Do you ever, if you ever need anything, if you have a question, you can just call me, you can email me. And I thought, Wow. And they said, You know, I'll open my book, I'll share everything I've done. And that's what I noticed that was different. These very high caliber, high producing agents with teams, they were making a billion dollars in, 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 um, in real estate sales, right? Not GCI, but in real estate sales. So these massive teams of 75, 100 people, the team leader would stand on stage and they didn't say once, oh, look at me, I'm number one, I'm this, I'm that. What they said was, tell me how I can help you reach the level I'm at. And that is very hard to find in the real estate culture that has been created over the last you know, 50, 60 years. So that's when I knew I was at the right place because they had the same mindset I did. And since I've been here, you know, again, my business has just started skyrocketing again because you have a freedom to be able to do what you want and then you have the tools to be able to do it very quickly.
0: Right, now here's what I wanna get into. You're bringing up some good points here, right, especially with the awards thing and all that i got to say something, I've said this on a post before, but it's so true. And, and I find this a problem with the industry in general, which is, you know, like you wouldn't come up to, you know, to somebody and say, hi, I'm a number one award-winning realtor. I uh, reached number, I'm the number one team in Ontario. I've uh, done over a billion dollars in sales and I uh, grow my team by 30% each year. How are you doing? Nobody would introduce themselves like that, but mm-hmm. yet that's what they do on their advertising right? Like it's, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? And they celebrate these ridiculous awards instead of catering to their clients.
1: Well, what other industry celebrates the amount of money a person makes every year? Like it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's I bad- mean, is, is there, is there a doctor's banquet to see which cardiologist made the most money last year? no. Is there a a lawyer's banquet that talks about how much the highest paying lawyer made? I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, but then here we are. And then it's posted all over social media. So, yeah, you know, and that that mindset brings along like if that's the message that you are putting out to the world. And you wonder why people think that you are transactional rather than you do you know your your job by relationship. Well, you have to look at the message you're putting out to the world.
0: Yes, 100%. See, and you brought it up there. And that's the point I think many, many people miss. We are not in awards business. We are not a, uh, you know. Yeah, this a is celebra- the Oscars yeah. or
1: the Grammys. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. We're in a, a people business where we thrive with relationships and the more relationships we build, the more we thrive. Right. And like some of the tools we have, which clearly you have used Mm -hmm. is video right now. Video is like the thing. And I think our future won't be video. I think our future is going to be audio. But in the meantime, video is where it's at. And the reason why I say audio is the future, like think of uh, Alexa, think of Siri, think of um, whatever one Google has, right? You know, in our future, you you hear people talking, hey, Alexa, do this. Hey, Alexa, do that, right? We're driving in our cars. We're not watching videos. We're listening. So I think that's going to be our future and that's going to be our next evolution Mm -hmm. um, aside from virtual reality. Mm -hmm. But uh, right Mm -hmm. now, People are relating to you to to other people through video, absolutely, because they get absolutely. to see who you are. They build their impression on what they're seeing from you. Plus, your message mm-hmm. is going to tell them about you, and people are connecting to you on that. There's been many yeah. times that I, I like. I'm sure this has happened to you. I'd go grocery shopping, or I go to a local co- coffee shop, and somebody will talk to me and say, like, "Hey, you're so and so," and I'm like, "Yeah." And they're just talking to you, oh yeah i saw you on video and they're talking to me as if they've been my best friend for years and you're sitting there going like we just met so you know that, what I mean?
1: that's and that's the key you just said it it's that video introduces you before you've introduced yourself and that is where your real estate business will start to change um, when i started using video in my business seven years ago you know most a lot of people weren't and so when i was doing my market updates Everyone in the community that I live in now started watching them because there was only one person doing them. But what happened is I started getting appointments from Facebook and I have screenshots that I would get a message saying, hi, I've been watching your videos for the past few months. Can you come and list my house? I do not need an interview. I do not need anything. Just bring the paperwork and list my house. And this was not a one-off. This is very, very common that I, I, I don't have to um, sell who I am anymore because they know who I am and they're choosing me from the video knowing who they're choosing and how they're choosing. Because if you're going to do video for six years in a row every month, They get to know you. You can't put on a facade. You can't pretend to be another person for that many months over that many years. So this is the very same thing. As soon as I walk out of my office, I know that whoever's walking by, they know who I am. And funny enough, that was my dilemma by year four in real estate. I wanted people in my community to know who I was, but I understood that it wasn't going to happen through postcards and it wasn't going to happen through a 1D newspaper ad. I needed them to get to know me, like me and trust me because that's how they were going to invite me into their homes. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, the power of video, people just don't realize um, just how, lucrative it is to a business these days it is it's everything and if you're not doing any kind of video so at the beginning I was saying that video is now 75 percent of the internet and people are visual learners they actually can't stand text so if people would understand that about people and I, I taught communication for so many years that I understand this that you know, gives someone a picture to look at. They'll look at the picture way before they're going to start reading everything you're writing. Yeah. So what if half of everything you did was just converted into video? Uh, a testimonial from a client, a video testimonial will go far further than a written testimonial will. Um, you know, a, a one minute tip about selling your property or whatever will go far further on a video than it ever will in a in a text that you send someone. So I think when people, when agents start to realize this, that's when their businesses will start to, the the needle will start to move and they will move further in their business.
0: I agree with you on that. Now here, I got a little bit of a story if you you don't mind humoring me on this. Um, I was selling a condo unit in Etobicoke. Um, This one happened to be owned by my sister, but that's besides the point. Um, What ended up happening is I just happened to list it at the same time as two others went on. And, uh, and of course, they were lower than mine. And I was like, I mean, now there was a significant difference between the listings. Mm-hmm. But to the public, they may not see that because you'd have to really dig in to know. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at, at Realtor.ca and you're just seeing the pictures, and which is what everyone's going to look at, you won't see the difference. So you're mm-hmm. saying this one's 520, this one's 549, and this one here is 530. What's the difference between them? So mm-hmm. obviously, I thought that was going to be a uh, hurdle. And originally, initially, I did what everybody does, right? Just take pictures, promote the home, and talk about the home. And I had just about as much interest as the other units did, which was very little. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started thinking to myself, okay, how can I differentiate myself? And I thought, you know what? I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing videos all the time, but I didn't do videos here. But I'm not going to be what everybody else did, which they're going to talk about the four walls, People can see that in the pictures. You don't really need to talk about it. So I said, How can I make this unit stand out? Yes. So I decided to use video not to talk about the unit, but to talk about the area and the benefit of living in my listing. You live in this listing or this home. Yeah. And this is what you have in the area that you can go to by walking distance, a mm-hmm. short drive, or by bus, how far the bus station is, how far the, uh, the the city accesses, where the go train was. um, you explain the the lifestyle? It's the lifestyle
1: people want. They can read that it's two bedroom, two bath in a building. We all can see that. That's what differentiates. If you were to explain how you could live there and how it will benefit you, stop giving the features, give the benefits and the lifestyle.
0: That's right. what sell it, And that's what I was going. And to be honest, I got the highest price out of the three. The no other two price. took, literally took one canceled, didn't even bother after two months, just took it off the market. The other one sold about 15 days after I sold. And mine sold for the highest price on top of that. Yeah. I mean, we're not, it wasn't a huge difference. I'm not going to sit there and go, I got $200,000 more. No, nothing stupid like that. Yep. But the point is, it was I, I got at least 11 grand more than the the next units that sold.
1: And and it's, it's not surprising to me because I do that consistently with the majority of the properties that I sell. It's about the eyes on the property and how quickly you can get the eyes on the property and how quickly you can engage them in that property. You know, I was called in to do a listing presentation last week and believe it or not, these were the buyers of a property I had listed three years ago. The buyers were coming back to me because they liked, and you know, I was sitting in her living room and she said, do you know what made us buy this property? And I said, no. She said, you had a video running and it reached me in Oakville. And I'm in Caledon, right? So it went, you know, 75 kilometers. And she said, from your video, that's how I knew I wanted to buy this house. Because you talked about what it would feel like sitting in the backyard in the summertime. You talked about what it would be like the kids running around the house because there's enough space for that. That, she said, was better Than some of the other ones. And she said, we didn't even know where Bolton was because that's where (laughs) where I am. But she said, I didn't need to know where it was because you engaged me from the video. And that's the whole point, but so many people miss it. And I'll tell you why, because they're uncomfortable to do video, you know, and this is what I try and explain. If you would stop worrying about your discomfort and you were to think of the goal that you have, what's your goal? Do you want to be able to retire early? Do you want to go on a vacation? Do you want to give your kids an education? What is your goal? And isn't your goal a little stronger than this little worry that you have to do a video that will take you one minute to do? I mean, it, you know, it's it, this is the, the disconnect is if people's goals were strong enough or their vision of what they would really like in life, then the one minute video that they would have to record or you doing, for example, a podcast every day or going on and, and doing tips like you do. It's not killing you to do it. And you definitely get used to it after a while. You know, I'll yes. remember the first time I did a video it was very uncomfortable, probably took me 18 takes in minus 18 in the winter. But what happened was every time you do it, it gets easier. And the agents who were at my brokerage and the, some of the agents who are on my team now, They're the same way. They didn't want to do video at the beginning. But when I explained what that video would do for their business, regardless of the fact that they're on a team, they began to realize. And then when they started watching the results and watching the feedback from people, that's when it clicked. Wow. Nobody knew who I was before, but they do now. It's a, and and they've been, you know, in, in real estate a long time, but if you can just, put your faith in the fact that this is something that will work and move your business ahead, then we wouldn't be worried about all the online leads, you know, and and how can I get business? And the market is this, and the market, the market is always going to be up and down. This is something people just, they seem to forget. We're always going to have a roller coaster in real estate. We're always going to have the banks putting an interest up, putting interest down, the government's interfering. We're always going to have that. It's been going on since the dawn of time, how about you just focus on what you know you have to do every day and you're going to have listings. People are always going to need somewhere to live and when people finally realize that they're not going to be worried about the ups and downs or the excuses as to why they're not selling a house, they'll just be worried about my daily activities and tasks and if I'm doing them and I'm laser focused, my business will move forward. It's as simple as that.
0: Absolutely. Like, uh, as I call them, the daily IPAs, income producing activities should be at least two hours a day, minimum.
1: Minimum. So- I mean, really, if you had a, an actual, you know, office job and you worked two hours a day, you'd probably be fired. You know, I often tell people when I'm coaching a real estate agent, I said, you know, let's be honest here. Let's take everything you've done all every hour of this week. Would I have fired you? If you were an employee, probably I would have because you're not putting in eight hours a day, six hours a day, seven hours a day like you could be.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, here, here, that's the whole point, right? Like, I mean, it's not that any of this is hard. It's just as easy to do something as it is to not do it. It's just we allow emotions to give us reasons why we shouldn't. And that's really the first Thing we should change we should mm-hmm. commit to something and then just move forward it's about committing in my opinion
1: committing and consistency
0: yes you know, yes
1: you've got to commit but you've got to be consistent like create a habit like you wash like you brush your teeth like you might exercise like you're trying to eat well create a habit and that habit is what will create the success down the road
0: for sure now you use video a lot and obviously you explained why but what are the kind of videos you do like to trying to showcase some I ideas have,
1: I have evolved my video and, and the type of videos that I've done over the years but there are about five that are con, that will consistently do very well no matter who's doing them so number one will always be you know a, a, a just listed or even a just sold um, number two is a market update. Number three is a spotlight on a business. You know, sometimes it's time to take the hat off and stop making it all about you as an agent and put the spotlight on someone else. So spotlighting a small business in your town, uh, spotlighting a professional who you know, um, spotlighting an event, a community event going on, tips and strategies for buyers and sellers. So if the bank interest rates have just gone up, Do a small video about it. If there is a strategy where there are no more uh, multiple offers and bidding wars, but now we're going back to conditions and what is an inspection condition? What is a financing condition? If you have countryside properties or you want to get into countryside properties, talk about what septic is. Talk about wells. You know, all of these things can be a video. Everything that you might be able to write down can all be done by video. So these are the first and foremost videos that should be done. They do very well on YouTube, especially the ones where you concentrate on an area. Here are the three things you need to know about this area in Toronto. Here are the three places you should visit in this part of Mississauga. Any of these types of videos attract a lot of viewers. And if you were to do it on a reel on Instagram or Facebook, the views are very, very high. And that's, you know, that's why I say I have evolved the way that I do video over the years. It was, you know, a certain way. So videos were horizontal, then videos became vertical, but you have to keep up to date with them. And if you don't want to keep up to date with them, you should have a guide or a mentor who's helping you keep up to date. Um, When I joined eXp, I decided to create a mastermind group every week. So whoever joins eXp with me, I have this weekly mastermind. And this is what I do every week. It's almost like a mini group coaching. So I'll go in and, hey, guys, you know, this is what's going on right now. And this is where you need to shift your business. Hey, have you thought of doing this? And what? And and I think that if you're going to be in real estate, you have to keep evolving and adapting to the way the world is going because buyers and sellers need you to know what's going on. So you've got to be on top of it. So if you're not doing, you know, the reels or the videos, when you go on your listing presentation, when we talk about a value proposition, right, what value, how are you differentiating yourself from the other three agents who are also going in on that interview? What's differentiating you? And is there something that that homeowner will say, oh, yeah, you know, did you hear what that realtor said? that's who we need to go with because she's going to have more eyes on our property than all the other three.
0: For sure. And that's exactly the point. Now, even going to what you were saying with some of the content. Now I have a little bit of a touchy part on this, right? With the whole just listed, just sold. I think we've come to an era where that if you're going to do that, you need to do it in video because let's be honest, everyone posts the stupid flyers and post a little comments. Look what just sold my just sold for the day. And honest to God, I don't think anybody cares anymore. And if you're going to do it, it's got to be interesting. And doing it by video, you can put in points that will not showcase on a flyer that makes it interesting, that can give off the information that people would want to know. Like you just, it just sold good for you. How does that help me? But maybe with the video, you can illustrate why it sold, what made it stand out and what the area is doing. So it's not just sold. It's about that area. It's about the lifestyle. And why I would care about that house because there might be something in the area that I like.
1: So there is a way, you know, I understand that there are agents out there who really just won't do video. They won't do it. And, um, so what they need to learn to do is they need to adjust and adapt the content that they're putting on social media. So if you're going to put out a just listed or just sold, make sure it entails a story. What is the story behind why the clients listed the property? What is the story of them living in that property? Can I put myself into their shoes? Can you take me into that property with my senses and tell me what it's like to sit on the back porch watching, you know, the orangey red sunrise go down. Tell me what it was like when you got the listing, but here's what happened up until you got the listing, you know, tell a story. That is how you will differentiate your post with a text. If you're not going to do a video, but you know, Just listing those features all the time, you will fall into the pool of all the other 100,000 agents out there who are also listing properties. So, if an agent wants to differentiate themselves, they're going to have to change and adapt how they do things. You've got to be different, but you've got to also. Treat social media as if they are the person in front of you. If a person walked up to you and said, can you tell me about that property? Are you seriously just going to say it's a three bedroom? It's a two bathroom. It's a double car driveway. I mean, no, you're not. You're going to talk about the house. You're going to say, oh, my gosh, do you know this driveway fits 10 cars? Imagine when your kids become teenagers and they have all their friends over. You're not going to have a problem with parking. Or, you know, this property has three washrooms on the second floor. No one has a problem getting ready in the morning now. Add life. Make the listing come in 3D and not this 1D version that we just keep seeing. And if an agent treated their business like a business and they saw this as marketing, watch any Dove commercial online. Dove, Southwest Airlines. Um, WestJet used to do Christmas ones. All of these companies now tell a story. They are not promoting their product anymore. They are giving the emotions behind the marketing and how that product will help that person. Dove has a huge campaign about changing, um, Changing your awareness of who you are and understanding that you are more beautiful than you think. You are smarter than you think. You are stronger than you think. Nike does the very same thing in their commercials. If you step back from real estate and start watching what the biggest brands in the world do, you will now understand how to do your marketing. 100%.
0: See, that's exactly what you said, right? So you got to go differentiate yourself it's definitely about the story it's about the lifestyle it's nobody cares about the generic thing that makes you blend in and i think that even applies with uh, bank of if canada raises the interest rate and uh, as i would say once I, I heard that i said watch the flock of seagulls are coming out because every damn realtor is going to share the same damn article the same oh it's up a half a point and it's always the same old story by the time somebody sees it 40 other people have said it So you're right. It's about sharing the story of why that's relevant. That's how you stand out. That's 100%. And in terms of what you're doing now, you're even coaching, right? Like, and in terms of coaching, let me ask you why, why did you get into that? Because clearly you're doing very well as an agent and you could have just continued being that agent and would have the same great life that you do. So the why when you coach has to be beyond just doing more sales.
1: Yeah, I think because I have been in education for so long, it is second nature to me to want to help and guide people to just to to get to their next level. I will always come back to the fact that, you know, I'm on my second life and I truly believe that if I'm going to be here for the amount of time that I'm going to be on this earth, then I'm going to be the best version of myself. And I see so much potential in agents out there, but they don't have the guidance. They don't have the knowledge that they could be doing something slightly different. They don't realize that if they just moved or did something one inch further, it would make a huge difference overall. There's a compounding effect when you make one small change. Now, whether one small change is changing a brokerage getting a guide, getting a coach, getting a mentor, all of these things will move them forward. So for me, I, I don't know, maybe it was just like I was bursting at the seams, but I felt like I've got to help some of these agents just see that there is a better way of doing this. And you can actually work smarter and not harder because sometimes you see agents on this um, hamster wheel And they're just turning their wheels, turning their wheels. But at the end of the year, they really haven't moved the needle at all. Their their commissions aren't higher. What they're taking home isn't higher. They don't know where to put their money. Do I put my money on a a Facebook ad? Do I put it on a Google ad? Do I keep spending, you know, $2,000, $3,000 a month on flyers for a farm area? The problem is that they're doing it all in the wrong order. And their systems most agents don't have systems and processes and they have a database but are they doing anything with it is that database like their gold mine and you know look at the biggest companies in the world facebook google instagram their database of information is massive because that's what runs a company their database so why are agents not doing the same thing with their businesses? So that's why I started a company. I wanted agents to know that there is a better way, that they don't have to work harder. You just have to work smarter with a strategy. And then of course, you know, watching the results of, I had a lady who was a manager at a brokerage and she decided to go back into sales. And she had been managing for probably maybe 12, 15 years, hadn't been doing sales at all. She started coaching with me from day one and she's not in Canada. She's in the U S. So this was just, you know, zoom calls and so on. Within three months, she was already number one agent and she has consecutively for two years been in the top three of her company of hundreds of agents simply because we started her off the right way with systems, processes, and video. And, her business is off the charts. She's got billboards now. It's, it's wild. And it's only in less than two years. So it doesn't have to take 10 years. If you have someone who's already done it and it's worked, why would you not just go hire that person, follow what they're doing, and you'll get the same results. It's really that simple.
0: Yeah. Tried and true versus trying to pave your own way. And you know, like even with the whole system, I'll be honest. I was resistant to having that CRM, to having that daily routine, to having that system in place. I mean, for the I, I've been in the business in July. I'll be uh, seven years, and for the first five, I did not have a CRM, at least not consistently. I would get mean, onto you it. Didn't
1: know what to do with it. Right. Yeah, to
0: me, it looked like it was an Excel like an Excel spreadsheet, but I'm paying for something different. Yeah. And that's the way I felt it. Now, when I got into a system and I practiced it and, and I put it into use and I built that system and I had a coach in the beginning of 2020 or end of 2019, I decided that without a coach, I'm not getting into that next level. So the end of 2019, when I say end, I mean end of the summer, beginning of the fall season, I got myself a coach. And I had that person and then I built that system and then I've been on the CRM. And I'll tell you, I've had probably out of the seven years, I would say I've had the, the last two were my best two years.
1: It's not a coincidence. You know, no. it's not coincidental. It's, it's intentional.
0: Yes. hundred percent. And you have to, everything you do is intentional. Yeah, anything's possible. If you put your mind to it, I don't look at life as in, in the scarcity mindset I see it as an abundance. There's an abundant amount of business out there if you want to go out and do the work. Absolutely. So with that being said, I want to be mindful of your time. So I'm going to ask you uh, maybe two more questions and then get into what I call lightning round, which is a little fun questions. All right. Okay. So the the second last question is going to be, what advice would you have for new and upcoming realtors or even entrepreneurs you know, if they had come to you and said, I want to start my business and I don't know where to start.
1: Um, First of all, I would find a mentor who's going to sit with you and you need to create a plan because you're not going into a job where you're an employee. You need a business plan and you have to decide, you know, what does that look like? What do I want to accomplish in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, what do I want to accomplish by the end of the year? So many people have a goal um, a year out or two years out, but they don't break it down to know what does that mean? So if I wanna do 10 sales by the end of this year, I need to break that down into the smallest minute pieces. And there's something called smart goals. And this is what I have all agents do is, is is your goal specific? Is it measurable? How do you know when you've reached it? Is it attainable? Do you have a timeline? You know, it's like losing weight. If I want to lose five pounds, I'm not just going to lose five pounds. I have to have a plan. How's my eating going to change? Am I going to change my my exercise? Am I going to drink more water? And how will I know I'm going, I'm getting closer to my goal? Well, I'm standing on the scale. I'm measuring all of these things. We have to do the same thing in our businesses. So anyone who's new, No matter what industry you're getting into, you've got to have a plan because that's your roadmap. You know, you're not going to get in your car and drive to Florida without a GPS system because what's going to happen? Well, how are you going? Where are you going? Our businesses are the same. So if you need to set your GPS as a new agent, you need someone helping you do that because you will not naturally know in a new industry how to do it. The same thing with, any entrepreneur. You go and open a health food store. If you've never opened a health food store before, how do you know how much you should be selling every week, every day? How do you know when you're doing well? You need guidance.
0: Well said. I, w- I completely agree with you on that. Now, the final question before we go into our lightning round is how do people find you online?
1: My name is across social media as my name. And you know, if I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a tip. I, I have to give this tip because agents have to know mm. this. Stop changing who you are on the different platforms. Like don't call yourself your name on Facebook, but then you've called yourself something else on Instagram and something else on TikTok. Use your name or use whatever you're gonna use, but use it across all the platforms. That way, you're easily searchable. So, Catherine Lucadu. I am Catherine Lucadu on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, um, on TikTok, all over the place. And then I have these sub pages where it's the Catherine Lucadu Real Estate Group, as you see behind me, which are all of my business posts in my team. I also have a Catherine Lucadu Coaching on Facebook and Instagram. So, but just start with my name and. You know, if you Google me, you're going to see every video I've done on YouTube and I've got a couple of YouTube channels as well.
0: Well said. Well said. I love that. I agree with you. I mean, I see too many people get into the business and like their business is Bob's. Their name is Bob Smith. Then all of a sudden, the minute they get licensed, it's Smith Realty. Not a day has gone by, but they've already changed it. It's almost like they're trying to change their persona. Yeah. Right. And, and, And I just think that's just so wrong. We're in a day where everybody, everything's personalized. That's what social media did. It made it all personal. People want to know you. <laughs> like, they do.
1: And, and th- these are the other questions that I get asked about social media is, you know, should I have a business page or a personal page? You need both and you need to share the content back and forth because the people visiting your business page still want to know who you are. That's how they're hiring you. They have to figure out whether they know you like you and trust you. They're not going to do that. If you just have one page of houses, so don't be afraid to mix and match. It's okay to do that now.
0: I agree with that too. I have, I only, I'll be honest. I only have a business page so I can use the uh, ads manager. Otherwise I just post everything on my personal. I mean, the way, the way I figured is if we're connected, yeah. then we're socializing. And if we're not connected, yeah. then either let's connect or don't, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't need a business page to tell you to follow me just so you can see my posts right? So it's either we're connected or we're not, right? So I don't really care for the business page. I think the personal page is more important, but we need it, obviously, if we're going to do our uh, ads manager, or if you want some form of statistics.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So with that being said, Mm -hmm. let's get into the lightning round and uh, have some fun questions. Okay. So the first question is going to be, what is your favorite food type and why?
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I actually don't think I have a favorite food type. I keep changing the way that I eat because I keep trying to uh, become healthier and healthier and healthier. Um, My favorite food type, I think breakfast. I'm going to just call it a meal. And I love breakfast. Um, Yeah, I, I think breakfast would be my favorite meal. And it's always very colorful right? So I have, you know, my protein and then I have avocado and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's going to be breakfast.
0: That's awesome. I, I love breakfast too. I mean, I can have an omelet any time of day.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, favorite vacation spot.
1: Oh, well, it always involves the ocean, the sea and a beach. So I love Aruba. Um, I'm actually contemplating where to go for my big milestone birthday in July. And when the world is your oyster, it's so hard to just figure out one place. But I was spoiled for 15 years living in Cyprus because it's beautiful Mediterranean light blue water, white sandy beaches. It doesn't get better than that. So when you're over on this side of the world, it's hard to find something that equates to what I had over there. But I keep I keep looking for it and Aruba is pretty close.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, we get too many long winters. What was it snowing yesterday? And it's like April. It's like, (laughs) ah. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Favorite book?
1: I think I'm going to have to say it's uh, Think and Grow Rich. Um, I think some of the old classics for mindset are phenomenal. Um, I, I have so many, I always have about three books on my bedside table and I always have audiobooks um, yes. constantly and, and podcasts. That's all I do. Very rarely am I listening to music unless I'm just feeling tired. I'm always listening to something that will help my mindset grow.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I love that book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich as well. Yeah. I mean, my go-to was, uh, Darren Hardy's, uh, Oh, the compound the effect
1: Compound effect. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I mean, I literally followed the instructions in that book to the T I mean, it it's at the end where book. it says give away five of his books to people you think it could help. Yes. I actually went out and bought 10 and gave them away.
1: I do that all the time. I've oh, I've got always a stack of books here at my office brand new um, and, and a great book for any new agents who are listening today or even not agents who are new, but any, any type of agent is Ninja selling.
0: It's oh yes! A
1: phenomenal series and you don't necessarily need to have someone walking you through it. I, I used to teach it here at the brokerage, but it is very, very good. If you're looking to go back to, to the beginning and really create a system for yourself, Ninja Selling is phenomenal.
0: And favorite podcast?
1: I think I'm going to have, it's between two. And I listen to these two men all the time. Uh, One is Ed Milet. Yes. He is phenomenal. I follow him on Instagram as well. The other one is Lewis Howes.
0: Right. I watched um, this yesterday.
1: Really good. And you know what I love is that they're varied. They bring on, you know, neuroscientists, psychologists. Like, as you can see, I love the brain and I love communication and I love learning about people and the psychology and sociology of people. So I really do like those two. I of course have two podcasts as well. Um, I have one called Life Reimagined and I have another one called Mindset uh, Mindset Medicine. And so, you know, I, I experience the world and then I put it back out uh, through those two podcasts.
0: Right. Now, If you don't mind me asking both the two podcasts, what's the two differences between them and how come you separated them?
1: So mindset medicine, I started, uh, two and a half years ago, and it's just me talking through real estate strategies, systems, the mindset behind it, and so on of being an entrepreneur. The other one I do with a partner of mine, an EXP partner, and she's in Arizona and, uh, it's, it's life reimagined. So How can we change and and change that mindset of ours. So we interview, we had a wonderful interview with an Instagram influencer, and she was giving us ideas on reels and so on. This month, we're going to be bringing on um, uh, an entrepreneur who has really excelled in their business very quickly. So just slightly different because it's two people on it. So there's more discussion back and forth. Whereas mindset medicine is just sort of me on my own going through uh, different parts of life and our mindset, especially when it comes to business.
0: Fantastic. Catherine, I am truly blessed to have you on my show today.
1: Thank you. I'm, I really, I really enjoyed my time with you. Thank you.
0: Me as well. Like I I just, this was incredible. I mean, I, I gotta be honest, this is probably in the top three of all my shows
1: oh well there you go <laughs> wonderful yeah
0: I'm so blessed to have you there thank you again
1: thank you so much
0: if you like this episode and you want to see more shows like or subscribe the link below